all of a sudden, as you're driving along, you say, oh, I've got a gap. I can squeeze into the next lane. I want to get over there. And you look in your mirror and you don't see anything. And you creep over there and all of a sudden you hear, ah, you know, and you just missed sideswiping him. Has anybody ever had that happen? Boy, is that scary. You know, you, you didn't see it happening. You were overtaken in a, in a moment. It's like, I didn't know there was anybody there. You know, I really didn't. I, I was unaware. It's, it's kind of forcibly being laid of, hold of by sin. Um, it's getting too close to the edge, though. It, it's not that sin makes you do something, or the Lord makes you do something, or the devil made you do it, or you know, um, the world made you do it. But it's when we we're caught when we get too close to that edge, and the ground gives way. Have we not all had times like that? We didn't intentionally want to sin against our Lord, but it was there was a leading up to that. And we weren't watching out. There are grievous times. And sometimes we can take an attitude. And that attitude can get really bad. And it can get bitter. You know what I mean? Having a bitter attitude. And that's that's a sin that can overtake us. We get a little bit upset at first and we don't take it to the Lord and then we start dwelling and thinking on it. All of a sudden we become bitter over a course of time. Uh, sometimes we go too far with our tongues and our conversation and say some things we shouldn't. It's difficult to shake, you know. And there again, we we got caught. That's the idea of caught. It it could mean um, another sense is that you were caught in the very act of whatever you were doing in your sin. It, it can mean that. And of course, that you know that that absolutely happens. But I believe from the expositors that I have looked at, my favorite ones, and then from the very Greek word itself, it, surprise is inherent in this verb. Being surprised by something, really you shouldn't have. You should have been watching. But just like looking at the mirror, you really probably should have turned around and really looked, right? But you just took it for granted and moved on. Well, this is the kind of sin that we're talking about. We need help. We need counsel. From others, don't we? We need we need a lot of help. We, we need to get pulled out of a pit sometimes that we get in. Uh, there can be habits of sin, but there's an accountability, and we we need people to come alongside us and help us out. Amen. Now he says, even if anyone is caught, you get you get the word caught there now, right? Mm-hmm. No excuse for that, but at the same time, okay, we're trapped. Now, if anyone caught in a, in a trespass, and you'll notice the the visual that comes up there. Uh, the, the, the literal Greek means to step aside. It means a falling beside. It means a stumbling. It means a falling. And there we have, it looks like at least three who were laid out on the track there. Thank you, Zach. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a good picture. That was better than one that I hadn't even thought of. Since he did so good last week without even me telling him, I uh, thought, hey. And then yeah, I, I kind of inspired by, by Luke's... Um, this is nothing to challenge your PowerPoint with, but you know I used to do some videos and stuff like that and try to work them in, but uh, I do these at the last minute just before I come to church because all week I've been thinking about this and I was saying, I wonder what, and I never have enough time. And, but um, Zach can pull these things up. I don't, I, I, didn't, I don't even know what's coming up here. Hey, here, can you find these? These are visible words. It might get caught. <laughs> don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> Anyway, trespass, 
It's falling aside, stumbling. It's falling. When one fails to be on guard and a temptation comes up, he thinks he can withstand it. Ah, I've been able to get through those things before. God will help me here, but really we're on our own power here. We're on our own, and our own power is always going to fail, and we're not using the fruit of the Spirit. And guess what? All of a sudden, you find yourself tangled up with somebody else in the other lane. Or you're just sitting there fall, uh, falling on the track. They didn't intend for that to happen. And it happened in a moment, believe me, but there was something going on for that to happen. And they're supposed to be in their lanes. When you're running in a lane on a track, you have to stay in that lane. And all of a sudden, if you start to get in the other lane, you start running into somebody else, you can be disqualified from that too. You have been running so well, and then you trip and stumble and crash down on the track. Burdens can be sin. These trespasses. Burdens can be things, though, when we're even mistreated, when we have fear, when we have grief, when we have physical things going on, when we have financial things. So, actually, I'm, I'm keying in on the word, um, you know, the, the sin, the trespass. But let's even extend it out when, when we battle against every, everyday things that aren't necessarily sin. When we battle against uh, the, the financial matters in our lives that we have to be able to, to cover, and it doesn't seem like we have it to cover, right? Uh, physical matters that, that we deal with, uh, our health and such. Anyway, let's back up to that word brethren. Now, since we're, we're getting the gist of where we're at, and he calls them brethren. Don't you like that? Brothers. Brothers and sisters. You know, this is not insignificant that he would use this because we're talking about the church. We're talking about the called out ones. We're really talking about a family. We're family here. We're brothers and sisters here. Really. If a brother falls into sin, then because of your union with that brother or sister, it's your problem as well as as theirs. The church of God is a family. You've seen where brothers and sisters, like they might be walking to school and then some kid starts causing a problem with one of your, your brothers or something, and a little brother. Well, you're going to step in there and take care of that, aren't you? You're, bigger. you're not going to let that happen. You don't want to see something go any further than what it is. We're in the household of faith. A family that's knit together. Knit together by God. So that's the idea of brethren. You like that? Brothers. Even if anyone is caught in a, any trespass, and so like I say, let's even extend that to things that are even beyond sin, where things are, you know, we're, we're in a battle, we're in a struggle. But uh, he really keys on that, you know, uh, that trespass crossing over there. You who are spiritual, restore such a one, a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual, that's our next phrase. We have uh, a lot of key words and phrases in this text today. And that's why I like text like this because I just love to get into the words and the meanings of it and then uh, let those word pictures just come alive here. Um, we're, we're to show our love and concern for our other brothers and sisters. We have a responsibility in this church for others. We really do. If a brother falls into sin, we, we definitely see that uh, union that we have. 
what's who's the spiritual people? Well, I think we, we immediately think, well, that's the pastor, that's the elders, that's the deacons, that's the leaders in the church, that's the ones who go, not me. Super I don't have to do. What, what is that? Super saints. Super saints. The super saints are to go to them. Guess what? Everybody is a super saint. We are more than conquerors. Romans 8, that's super conquerors. Super saints. They need to come up with a movie on that one. Super saints. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they'd mess it up. They always do. Whether it be... What? Anything dealing with creation or the ark. Mess that up. Or Moses, right? One who has tripped needs somebody to come along. Somebody who is being led by the Spirit. Who is that? Somebody who's filled with the Spirit. Who is that? It should be any one of us because we're all commanded to be filled with the Spirit. But we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot here. Yeah, that's that's our dynamite. That's our power. We we have so much power, it's unbelievable what we can do. We have a responsibility of helping the weaker brethren in a time of struggle. John Calvin expressed it like this, The more any man is endowed with grace, the more he is bound to devote himself to the edification of the weaker brethren. The more grace that God gives you, the more responsibilities you actually have. That's a good thing, though. Look in 1 Corinthians 12.25. I like to delve into some of the uh, the old writers, the dead guys. And I like to look at some of the writings of the guys that are still living. They're on the precipice of passing on. But you get to read the thoughts of these guys and and then, of course, it reminds you of some scriptures. But 12.25 says, So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so we see the answer of prayer and we rejoice with them. We don't see the answer to prayer yet and we're still... We're praying for them, right? We're hurting with them. Or whatever the, that need may be. Look in, uh, well, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we already know that. Let's, uh, let's go to Romans 15, 1. Now we, who are strong. That's the strong ones. Who are the strong ones? Well, they're, they, they're the ones who have that power. The dunamis, the dynamite. They ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please themselves. And each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. That's pretty good, isn't it? How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14? We urge you, brethren... Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. 
We urge you, brethren, any of you people, he's saying, all of you, we urge you, here's what we want you to do. Monsha unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient, patient. If one sees another sitting on the shoulder of the freeway, does he just step on the gas and pass him up? Now I know there are... (laughs) You have to use some wisdom here, but if somebody's in a, in a real need here, you know, like the, the um, you can think of so many times that Jesus told parables, um, but do we just pass them by? Am I my brother's keeper? Who said that? Did Cain say that? Yes, we are our brother's keeper. You are responsible. I am responsible. You can say, yeah, but they had it coming. <laughs> Let them suffer. Take the time to be involved in others' lives. Restore them. He's chosen us to be members of the body, to help the other members of the body. We are agents. We're agents of encouragement, agents of counsel and help. And we can get them through the very issues that they are so much struggling with. We can help. You don't necessarily talk about them. You don't even talk about them, but you talk to them concerning where they're at. You pray for them. You explain the Scripture to them. I can't think of a better thing to do. What is the, the, the healing ointment that we have? Ultimately, it comes down to the very Word of God. In, in a lot of senses, that's what is, is going to really help somebody to, to be at peace, to be comforted, uh, you know, and we want to hold them accountable. So you, you stick with them until they're restored to wholeness. You just stay right with them in their walk with Christ. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 7. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort Him otherwise such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. You don't want them to go any further. You really don't. We don't stand idly by, do we? We we want to be there for them. We're, we're just not to run to somebody else and say, hey, you need to go take care of them. No, you, you're spiritual. You're, you know about it. You know, you go to them. You go. Are you walking in the Spirit? Then it could be you. If you're not walking in the Spirit, it shouldn't be you and what is the problem. (laughs) Right? That's what Galatians has been talking about so much, walking in the Spirit. Now, there's a goal in restoration. You are spiritual. Restore such a one. Now, that's the word we're going to key on now. Carter Tidzo. To restore. Um, and, And I can't wait to see the picture. There we go. What's what's the doctor? Uh, what has he done, and what is he doing there? Where he is taking a broken bone in in the arm there, in the wrist, and uh, he has set it. That's the idea to set a broken bone. It, it's like um, an orthopedic guy. If he were here right now, could really help us. I'm thinking. I'm looking over there to my left. If you're sitting on the left, you might want to think about moving because I see two boots over here. These sisters have gone through some terrible time with bones and and other things, but our issue right now is bones. 
you know, not necessarily broken bones. In Carolyn's case, there's a lot of things broken there. I mean, just everything. Just and in Debbie's case, battling those kind of things. But you, you get a doctor to, to set something, to set a bone misplaced. It's to restore back in its original position. And those boots are supposed to help do that too. That's part of the job. Um, anyway, uh, there is another picture of that too. I love these word pictures. What is that? What is that you see? A broken net. That's a fishing net. Uh, you take that out there to sea, and your livelihood is fishing. What did the disciples do? In Mark 1, we see that they were mending their nets. It means to restore. There's something broken. Matter of fact, if you take those out there, you're, you're going to lose a lot of fish, and eventually your nets are just going to be totally destroyed. Every time that you have come back in, you go back and restore those nets or mend them. And that's the idea here. Thank you, Zach. A word uh, is put up here, and it's, that's, that's worth a thousand words there. That's right. You know, so, anyway, that, um, that's good. Um, the, um, there's the aspect of saying, well, you know what? It's awful painful. Uh, and when they, set that, when they do surgery, uh, a lot of you guys have had surgery and dealt with it in the last year. And, and of course, Luke, I forgot about his knee and everything, right? Yeah. Knee and uh, all sorts of joints, ankles and whatever. Would you have rather lived with that fracture or or your knee being in, in trouble or the ankle or uh, Debbie's hand and foot and knee and any joint you can think of there? Shoulders. Uh, uh, yeah. Frida, Frida's knee. We didn't sing a song about all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We could hit all hit all the parts of the body here. <laughs> hey, that's a good that's a good picture of the body of Christ. <laughs> the body of Christ gets hurt, you know, right? Well, I'd rather live with this fracture. I'd rather live with this pain that I'm going through. But, you know, somebody's going to come on. No, 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 you don't. You don't want to stay like that. You know, something can be done about that, you know. You don't want to stay that way. Yeah, but it hurts, but that's going to even hurt more when I have to go through that surgery, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of pain. But it has to be restored to usefulness where it can be used again. Now, this is all dealing with church discipline. Did you know that? Oh, if I would have put church discipline as a title today, people would have come in here and walked right back out. (laughs) Oh, do I really want to hear this? Actually, this is church discipline. That means training. You know, people think automatically. What do they think of? Somebody kicking somebody out of the church. That is the last thing that we want to think about. It starts with one person going to another and helping them out, build them up. And maybe a couple or three others to come alongside if they still kind of have trouble dealing with it. And if they continue to go, the church is still forgiving, but it has to be brought before the church. We're right out of Matthew 18. And then it has to be done like that, all in order. Unless something is really, really, you know, sometimes it has to be sometimes very speedy because it can really infect the church, and that has happened before. Uh, somebody has to really be willing to to be restored. Uh, 
Yeah. That definitely comes into play. And that isn't always the case. Matter of fact, most of the time, that's about the way it turns out. But the whole idea is that they would be restored, not to kick them out, but to restore them. Um, John Brown, a great writer, said this, when a professed Christian falls into error or sin, he becomes, as it were, a dislocated member of the mystical body of Christ, incapable of properly performing its own functions and occasioning pain and inconvenience to the other members of the body. Does that make sense? The restorative process, as Brown continues, involves use of the appropriate means of convincing the person of sin and leading him to repentance. That you would gain a brother, as it says in Matthew 18. To gain the brother. You've won him. That's good. I can't think of anything better than that, right? A reminder of the grace of God here that the offender will not be swallowed up by sorrow. You don't want sorrow to come on them. Understand why the people are in their circumstances. But sometimes people will refuse that and you go, oh, they're going to continue to be a broken bone. No matter what you say, what you do. But the goal is recovery. Spiritual pursuit of that ambition. And so... um, Mending the nets, setting a broken bone. Does that help? And we do it with an attitude of gentleness. We don't do it with coming in there and just, you know, just um, overpowering them and being rude about it. I have to do this. I have to take care of my brother here. What's wrong with you? What are you, an idiot? You know, what are you doing? You know. When a doctor or dentist is trying to take care of you, you really want him to be gentle, don't you? Now, when you have something that's really sore, and I've seen it with Carolyn, where the first thing that they want to do, oh, let me see that. And they'll be going like this. And she's destroyed for not only the rest of the day, but probably the next day and the next day. Just a turning of that. Just the least, oh! And it's like, why did I even come in here? Doesn't that doctor know? You know, you want him to be really gentle. When he hits that tender spot, you say, ouch, and why are you hurting me like this? And the doctor says, I'll tell you when it hurts. <laughs> that's, that's really what you want to hear, isn't it? I know when it hurts, right? You want him to be gentle. So when you go to somebody, we want to be really, really gentle. We want to minister to this fallen one. And of course, isn't that a fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Timothy George says, Paul was not here calling the kind of leniency that overlooks the transgression, the one that was committed or precludes any kind of potential act on the part of the transgressor, but he was saying that the work of restoration should be done with sensitivity and consideration and with no hint of self-righteous superiority. Of course, that's really where the rest of this basically is going to go for most of the next few verses. So, um, he says, doing a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself. Looking. That's another key word there. Scopeo. Scope. Telescope. Dealing with vision, right? Seeing. Be able to, to see. Look at yourself. See where you're at. 
Look to yourself. Scope AO. Scope it out, right? We we use that kind of terminology. Scope it out. Um, Martin Luther, who has a commentary on Galatians, quoted Augustine. So now we've gotten Calvin, and now we're going to get Luther and Augustine, uh, Augustine here in one setting today. Commented on this. There is no sin which any man has done, but that another man may do the same. Whatever somebody else has done, you too could do the same thing. So, oh, I would never do that. Don't ever be that way. And, and just be thanking the Lord that He has kept you from doing things that are unmentionable. We stand on slippery ground. We stand in a world... We can wax proud and confident and we can fall in a hurry. That's what Luther says. He says, We stand on slippery ground, therefore if we wax proud and confident, nothing is so easy as for us to fall. Boy, is that ever a statement, right? When we finally realize that we are capable of committing some of the most treacherous, worst sins, even though we'd say, I'd never do that. We have the propensity of sin. Why don't you do those things? Because God is keeping you from doing those things. The power of God. You don't have an inherent in yourself. You can say, well, I've been a pretty good person. Then all you have to do is look at Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And look in Romans 3 and see how that is. But look at yourself. He says to, uh, uh, to look at yourself. To examine yourself, look to yourself, and I think we'll get to that word examine in a moment. Let's go to the word burdens. Verse 2 now, he says, Bear one another's burdens. Burdens are the loads of life that are very hard. They come in all sorts of packages. Multitude of ways. God never intended for us to bear our burdens alone. It's like He says, I know you have them. Some have a lot more than others. I know you have them. And you don't need to deal with them by yourself. You like that? You ever been in a place where it was good to know that there was maybe some others right there with you? We're there for you, brother. We're here to pray for you. Whatever it is, what can we do? So the the word bear here means more than just tolerate. Um, and we'll get to that word. Um, uh, I think I think when you when you look at at burdens, it's 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 something that, a load of life that goes way beyond anything that we can even imagine. I want to get to 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 bear. Um, to take something on. Uh, to look out. Look around. It doesn't take very long to figure out where somebody's at. Now, you want to take a look at this guy right here? This guy right here. I, that's I'm telling you, that's a load, isn't it? That is a backpack and a half. And I'm telling you, he needs some help, doesn't he? He needs somebody, and maybe a couple or three people. You know, he's walking down the road, you know, with this terrible... Big burden. I think of Pilgrim's Progress whenever he was carrying that burden on his back. There has been a movie that came out recently. We were trying to look for that one too. But um, this this uh, is pretty significant here. But in the Pilgrim's Progress, he had that burden that was 
it was his sin. And, and in the modern one, he, he was carrying it around down the streets and everything. It was just huge, you know. And it was done in live action and, and everything. I'm going, wow. That, I don't know, did anybody ever see that one? Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> you remember that great big... I, I'll never forget that. Anyway, he finally got to get rid of that, didn't he? Burdens, uh, borrows is the word there. A heavy load that is hard to lift and difficult to carry. We're talking about something here, not minor. We're talking about something that is really heavy. It's overwhelming. It's demanding. It brings even sorrow and guilt. It's heavy. Need some help? Let me carry that for you. That's the idea. John Piper had a message and um, for this text right here. Let me carry that for you. Let me help you carry that. Oh boy, I've experienced that. We've experienced that. You guys have helped us in so many ways. Let us, you know, let us help you. Oh, it's, it's so comforting. You don't know how comforting it is unless you've had that happen. Hopefully, you have. Whatever oppresses somebody spiritually. Oh, there it is. Ah. Oh, yeah, beautiful. You guys see that burden? <laughs> I don't even know what all that stuff is. It almost reminds you of some kind of animal or something there, doesn't it? It's just Christ. That's right. And you know, he's walking along with another brother here. I hope it is. That's pliable? Okay. He's not a brother. Okay. He's trying to talk him out. That's right. That's right. He wants him to be a brother. Thank you, Zach. With a thousand words, I don't really have to say anything else, do I? Heavy load. We can move. (laughs) We are not meant to be self-sufficient people. That guy needed help. You saw that picture of that other guy. He needed help. Really needed help. I'm telling you. Let me carry that for you. Oh, I've 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 got a song. But I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for another brother here for a moment, and I'm going to turn to let's turn to Philippians one twenty seven. Philippians one twenty seven. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. And that's probably agonizomai there. I think it is. Which agon, agony, right? We strive together. We agonize together. Why? For the faith of the gospel. Yeah. For the law of Christ's sake. You go into Acts 2, one another. One another. You know, there they are, and they're, they even were selling their things where somebody really had need who had nothing. And so, you know, we are not self sufficient, really, are we? Now, there's a theme song that we could use for today. It's a song that goes back about 40 years ago. And I'll put a little bit of disclaimer on it because it's it's actually a secular song. 
It's not a hymn. It's not some kind of spiritual song. But you can turn it into a spiritual song. Um, and here's how it goes. And, and I remember this from back... Uh, here we go. There we go. Back a few weeks ago, we were kind of just goofing around on, on this song because it, it reminded us of this song. That, you know, so we started talking about it. And so, Bob, whenever I say a line or two, I know you exactly that you'll, you'll know what it is. And, and the guys here might, might too. You might just have a problem that I understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll give you strength to carry on. Lean on me. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's sing that all together. No, no. <laughs> uh, I will tell you, when we were doing that, and then, then I, I heard the message by uh, Alistair Begg. And he was doing, you know, if you listen to Alistair Begg, almost every message, he always brings up some song that he grew up with. And he's about the age uh, of, of, of us, some of us. He's right around that same age. So, he, he, you know, he grew up with those songs whenever he was in his teen years and such. And so he takes those. You know, the world takes them sometimes and they have such good meaning. And it's like it comes right out of Scripture and then, boom, they come up with a line. You go, oh, that doesn't work. But that other stuff is good. See, it's always with Christ that, that qualifies it. And, of course, if they don't have Christ, they're not going to come up with that song that is not necessarily inspired by God. Inspired is breath of God that gives us the Word of God. But, you know, uh, in in a loose sense, somebody was inspired to write a song. It was really cool. It spoke to me, right? Um, lean on me. Man, you can do that. Call me up anytime. I want to give you a hand. Anything I can do with, you know. To fulfill the law of Christ. I'll turn back to Galatians here. <coughs> one phrase, one word after another, right? Bear one another's burdens. And because of that, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we're dealing with the Galatians. The Galatians have a problem, and it's called legalism, if you remember. And they were all for the law plus Christ. But it's Christ alone. Sola Christus. It's grace alone, right? Jesus fulfilled the law, right? He fulfilled the law. He had many examples for us to follow. I can think of John 13. I'm not going to turn there, but it was His disciples. And what did He do with them that night before He was to be crucified the next day? He washed their feet. And that's... Fulfilling the law of love as he's teaching them here. Um, John 8, a woman was caught in adultery and the righteous men, leaders, Pharisees, whoever are there and they're saying this woman was caught in adultery. Maybe one of them might have seen it actually happening. Whatever it was, she was caught But we know that what Jesus does as He writes in the sand there, the dirt on the ground. And what do they do? They all leave one by one. And then He looks up and He asks the woman, 
Is there anyone there to condemn you? What, you know, what's they all left because they knew that, that who knows what he wrote there. Some have suggested that uh, he wrote each one of their sins. Has he put it down there? I don't know. But the thing is, he then says to her, you too, you go and don't sin. Don't make it your kind of lifestyle anymore. Uh, Repentance is involved, of course, but the law of Christ, he could have condemned her right there. Didn't do it. He used the law of Christ. Paul asserted that he was not under the law. But yet we see him talk about this right here to fulfill the law of Christ. And that's the law we are now under. We are not lawless. We are not anamas. We are not lawless at all. We're people who follow the law, the law of Christ. Love God, love your neighbor. For Paul, it was Christ. The Torah was his norm. That was his law. But now, it's Christ who fulfilled it. We move to verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... <laughs> He deceives himself. What a verse right there. Boy, that right in itself could just stick out, couldn't it? There is nothing about us that's really that good by itself. He's saying you have a danger of overconfidence. When you're dealing with somebody, you start you can start to think, Well, I'm something. Look what I look what I'm doing, you know, and start being Overlording it here. And the fact is, is actually nothing. <laughs> There's methods of helping recover the fallen Christians. The one who represents Christ and His righteousness doesn't need to prove to himself or anybody that he's something or to sit in Moses' seat right, and expect people to respond accordingly but he realizes who he is too. And he realizes that he too is not beyond some kind of criticism or some kind of judgment. In chapter 5, verse 26, this is what leads into our chapter 6, verse 1. And we know there are no chapter breaks, so it just flowed into the other and said, well, how does this work? Let us not become boastful challenging one another, envying one another. What do you think was going on in Galatia? (laughs) Boasting, challenging, envying. Just coming out of this fruit of the Spirit, he says, this is what you're supposed to be, and you live by the Spirit, and okay, you walk daily by the Spirit, and don't keep on boasting. Don't be challenged. You are offending people when you should be restoring them. And so that's how we get into chapter 6. So it's kind of unfortunate with that break because you probably could just continue on, but somewhere you have to have a break and that's where they they did it. And um, as we go into our verse 5 into 6 and then uh, later 7, I don't know if I'll touch on 6, but 6 actually kind of goes with where we're at today. I don't know if I really have a time to deal with that, but... um, Fulfilling the law of Christ. 
look in 1 Corinthians 10.12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands aha, take heed that he does not fall. That's always to be reminded, isn't it? Because we know in 1 John 1 it talks about that we sin. We have a an advocate. We're to always be confessing our sin, right? So we move now into verse 4. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4. But each one must examine his own work. Then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Verse 4 means... Um, Measuring the value of what your own achievements are and not be taking the work of others as our standard of measurement. Because we like to compare ourselves, well, that guy is doing less than I am. You know, that that guy over there. You know, we're not to get puffed up because a brother may fall lower than us. We, We tend to look at people in some kind of division and, and they're less than us and we're up over them. and Our pride loves to see people fall. We, we love to see people fail sometimes when we have stood and say, well, I stood above that. We don't want to feed our pride. And so what we can do, we can feed our pride when we start comparing ourselves to others who maybe are less fortunate. Don't measure your moral achievements by the standards or that, that others may have or dealing with. Uh, that's what he's saying, dealing with yourself here. Examine your own work. What is the word examine here? This time it's not scopio. It's not looking. It's not putting a scope on it. It's actually dokimos, which really means test. Test yourself. It means to approve after testing. The reason for the testing is to show forth what is true, what is real. You get that idea? Um, I think that word is chosen perfectly there. To test out your own work so that you know it would show the results of it. Like uh, gold. What do you do with it? You, you test it. You... you you burn off anything that's brought. You want pure gold. You want pure silver. So you have to burn off anything that's there. You're dokimazoed there. Uh, you, you've tested for and what is the true worth comes out then. That's the idea. That's what he's he's saying here. Um, it's the purpose of determining our work. In Matthew seven three through five, he says, when you go to another. The first thing you do is what? Take out the log in your own eye. And I like to think of a big old railroad tie. You know, one of those things. You know. Yeah. (laughs) Can you see one of those things stuck in a guy's eye? You know, his head, like that. Well, that would be ridiculous to go somebody, here, let me help you, man. And you you got that great big old thing there, you know. Take out the log in your own eye so you can go and take the 
speck out of your brother's eye. The little bitty thing. You have, you know, we want want to make sure everything's right. Examine yourself first before you go. To, why are you doing this, right? Why do I want to help this guy here, right? It's, so it's it's really uh, kind of judging ourselves there. Look in Second Corinthians ten. Starting at verse 12. Let's start at verse 15 here. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. And that's kind of uh, the eye idea there when we're talking about boasting here as uh, um, in verse 4 then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone who do we don't go around boasting in ourselves right but we do boast in the lord we boast in christ we boast in christ crucified matter of fact in galatians 6 he talks about boasting but the only kind of boasting that can be done it's in 6 uh 13, for those who are circumcised don't even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never, never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boasting in the cross of Christ. That's where it's all based at. We can boast, but it's always qualifying Christ. We put Christ at the forefront. It's about Him. So anything that I've done, really it was by His power it's all Him. It's not me, right? Boasting. It uh, definitely had been misfocused by Paul in his earlier days when he was Saul before he became a Christian. You know, Jew of Jews, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, right? I mean, this man had um, coming from his background, his creed and everything. It's a paradox. It's glory and the shame of Christ. Glorying in the cross, not our own work. It's a product of God and His love flowing down from that cross, the cross of Christ. And then in verse 5, for each one will bear his own load. This time the word for load is different than that other one. That other one was hard, it was heavy, it was difficult to pick up, and it was hard to carry. And you remember the burden that we we saw and we talked about there? Well, now he's talking about a little load. It's a light load. Each one has that. Each one will bear his own load. You say, well, that sounds contradictory because it says we're supposed to bear each other's loads or burdens. This time, it's anything in general. It's carrying something. It's the obligations of life. Just life itself. That we have, uh, it's not difficult to carry. It may seem like it, but it's something. It's not hard to lift. It's the load God has given us to walk through in this life. At life, and we know that Jesus said, "My burdens are light." We have those. Those are the ordinary, everyday life things. It's the routine obligations. It's the works that God has given you. 
however you serve Him in different ministry, you know, that kind of thing. Just anything that you, you do in life. No one will make your load lighter by being worse than you are. You can compare that and say, well, no, you have your own load in this sense. Don't be looking over there and focusing on that if you've helped somebody. And with their, but he's saying here, you know, God doesn't grade on a curve. You know? Okay, you know. No, his standard is perfect. I mean, it's A plus. It's it's a 4.0 plus. Always. And his righteousness is always perfect and righteous. So in him, that's where it's at. But but I was I was I was good as, as Jack over there. Matter of fact, you know, uh, Jane over there, she's a little, you know, didn't do quite as much as what I did. So we're bolstering our pride by comparing ourselves. We do that often, and that's he just he's emphasizing here. Don't do that. Each one, you bear your own load. You have your own load there. When whenever you have the great big burden that comes, you want somebody to help you, or you want to go help somebody. And ultimately, it uh, comes down to the awareness that every person will be judged for their own work. Even Christians will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not our sin that's been taken care of at the cross, but he's talking about the works that we've done. Um, Wood, hay, and stubble. And others have the lasting ones. Those precious stones. Those jewels. The things that God has given us to do and it glorified Him. And that is the kind of thing. You know, I, I, I want to be at the very top of where I'm supposed to be with what He's given me. I want to be able to do that. I, I don't want to have those things taken away from me. You know, there will be rewards stripped because of um, not doing certain things for the glory of God. And so there will be that judgment seat there at the Bema. And he finishes off of this in verse 6. I don't have it in the outline, and I might work it in next week. And I might just tie it up with this, but this is the thought, and I think it really ties up with verse 5 after I continue to look at it a little more. The one who is taught the Word, and that's really how you restore people, the one who's taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, it is going to be getting into sharing with people and, and such, so that's maybe one reason why it's there, but not necessarily talking about money. The word there, share, is... Uh, fellowship. It's that fellowship word. Koinonia. He's to koinonia all good things. You, you have fellowship with that brother. He gave you the word. He restored you. Brought you back. Now you're grateful. And man, I've seen that happen though with people. And they just kind of want to hang on you. They, they want to give you a call. They want to talk to you. They, they want to uh, let you know how things are going. And uh, you know, thank you for sticking with me. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. The one who is taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. You will remember it for your life because he brought you out of the pit. That's right. And so when we're taught that Word, it helps us be built up and our brother just took care of us. And not only did he bear his own, own personal load that everybody has, but this big load he went over and helped with that great big burden and finally shared that. And then the other guy says, wow, that's... How can I ever repay you? Thank you. And you just say, hey, just give all glory to God. It's all about Him. This is what we're about, brother. That we're here to build each other up, edify, to restore. And we're not here to beat you down. We're here as a family. Let's pray.